Welcome into episode number 16 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast. I'm Matt Dean, broadcaster and communications coordinator for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, the advanced A affiliate of the Houston Astros. Episode number 16 covers the week of August the 23rd through the 29th. And uh, I'm recording this here, wrapping things up on Friday morning of the 28th. And it is another strange week, uh, unsettling, upsetting week to talk about something as trivial as baseball, but uh, activism has been at the forefront of the sports world this week. Uh, As of Friday morning, we saw seven games, the Major League Baseball scheduled postponed on Thursday yesterday. That was after three games, all starting uh, with the Brewers and the Reds in Milwaukee on Wednesday that were not played. Uh, Players coming together uh, and speaking out with their voices heard. Uh, in protest, asking people to take a step back and have some tough conversations, all in response to the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin this week. Of course, it hit close to home, literally for the Brewers, uh, being in Milwaukee, not but 35, 40 miles from Kenosha, kind of equidistant between Milwaukee and Chicago. expect to see a little bit more of that. I don't know if there's going to be games postponed here on Friday, uh, but it is Jackie Robinson Day being celebrated across baseball. Certainly we'll see, you'd think, some more demonstrations. Uh, Whether or not that will involve more postponements uh, still remains to be seen, but a lot of powerful statements uh, by players, coaches, uh, folks all across baseball in different organizations. Uh, one that really stood out to me uh, was Dominic Smith of the Mets, just really heartfelt, uh, really upset, uh, and and just really genuine uh, conversation that, that he started up uh, in his press conference after the Mets game on Wednesday. Uh, and I think it was great to see his teammates, the Marlins on the opposing team, all really responded to that. A great demonstration as they came out onto the field as scheduled yesterday, Thursday, uh, but then all kind of had a 42-second moment of silence as a nod to Jackie Robinson, and then everyone walked off the field. Uh, they did not play one of those seven postponements across baseball yesterday. So not much to say about it on the Astros front. Uh, They haven't played the last couple of days. Of course, hurricane conditions in Houston. They preemptively played a doubleheader with the Angels on Tuesday uh, to knock out that game that was set on their schedule Wednesday. Thursday, yesterday was a scheduled off day for the Astros. They are scheduled to play tonight uh, at 9-10 Eastern, opening up a series Uh, with the Athletics. Um, So again, right now, Friday morning, haven't heard anything otherwise uh, that that game uh, will be postponed for any reason. 9-10 Eastern at Minute Maid Park against the Astros. Lance McCullers Jr. is scheduled to make the start for the Astros. Uh, Yeah, really tough and just strange trying to record this this morning. Seems so trivial. Uh, We definitely encourage you to go out uh, and, and Listen to some alternative voices. Listen to uh, some black Americans that are especially really hurting right now. And and if they have something to say, it's time to listen. Uh, We've tried to have a variety of guests with different perspectives on this podcast. We really encourage you to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. We talked about specifically activism uh, and the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the support of that in the Fayetteville community in a previous episode with with a city councilwoman, Shaquilla Ingram. Uh, We touched on some of the reaction to the 
George Floyd shooting uh, earlier this summer with Robert Ford, the Astros radio broadcaster. Talked about a ton of topics, but uh, at least in part on that. So we encourage you to go back, uh, listen to some of those previous episodes. This week, we sat down uh, with Astros minor league outfielder Ross Adolph. Uh, chatted with him on Monday morning. Uh, so really, we're not going to really touch on any of the activism going on in baseball outside of this episode uh, besides this intro. Not saying I'm an expert. I don't know a lot about it, but just right now it's the time to sit back and listen. That was kind of the general message from the players. Uh, They want to take sports away at least for a day or two, uh, let people sit back, uh, reflect on what's happened, and, and listen to some of those other voices. So we definitely encourage you to do that. Uh, this week during this time. Hopefully you have these last couple of days uh, without a lot of baseball and, and specifically without Astros baseball these past two days. Monday morning was fun chatting with Ross Adolph. Uh, he misses baseball about as much as anyone that you'll talk to. I mean, he, he would have went on for a couple of hours if I would have let him. I wanted to. I just hit stop recording, and we did chat a little bit longer uh, after the interview will roll for you. Uh, he spent uh, most of the second half with the Fayetteville Woodpeckers last season. Ross Adolph, exciting player in the Astros system. He was one of three guys that came over to the Houston farm system in the trade that sent J.D. Davis to the Mets. And Adolph, very much a guy on the radar uh, of the Astros system in terms of outfielders to watch. So really fun conversation with Ross Adolph that will roll for you coming up. A quick uh, programming note about this interview. Had a couple of kind of distorted sound clips on uh, Ross's end, uh, so a little bit of technical difficulties. Normally, I don't edit the interviews much at all. Uh, take out a few pauses here and there, maybe a question every once in a while if things go a little long. Uh, I did have to edit out, I believe it was one question and answer, and then a little bit of Ross's answer because it was just kind of tough to listen to uh, with the way that the audio came through on our Zoom call. Uh, That didn't become apparent uh, until after the call was over. So if there's a couple of weird blips here and there, apologize for that. Uh, That was just merely a few technical difficulties on my part. But otherwise... A flawless, compelling conversation with Astros minor league outfielder Ross Adolph that's coming up on the other side of episode number 16 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast. All right, I'm excited to welcome my next guest. He is a former 12th round pick of the New York Mets back in the 2018 draft at the University of Toledo. Uh, he was the 2018 Brooklyn Cyclones MVP wall with the Mets short season affiliate, then was part of a five-player trade between the Astros and the Mets in January of 2019, uh, came over in that deal that sent J.D. Davis to the Mets. He's coming off his first season with the Astros organization, began the year with Quad Cities, uh, was named the Astros Minor League Player of the Month in June before a July 5th call-up to Fayetteville where he finished the season in 43 games uh, in a Woodpeckers uniform, splitting time between all three outfield spots. My guest today, Astros Minor League outfielder Ross Adolph. Ross, thanks for being part of the show. You, I'm at it's uh you know I'm glad to be a part of it and uh you know it's just something something to fill some time right now let me tell you that that's uh 
that's been the biggest thing for me right now. It's just like, all right, you can only lift, hit, and condition so much. Now you have, you know, the rest of the hours throughout the day to, you know, fill with, with something. And, uh, you know, anytime I can get something, just being less bored is, uh, it's, it's nice. <laughs> I'm happy to be at least a small platform for that for <laughs> for a little bit here today. So I appreciate you being on here. Th- thanks a lot. Yeah, no, thank you. Let's let's start with this. We, you know, I mentioned you, you finished up 2019 uh, with the Woodpeckers, part of that fun playoff run. Kind of take us up from that point up to where you are now. Uh, you've kind of been in a unique situation where you've been spending some of your time back uh, at home in Northwest Ohio. You've been regularly working out with some guys from around that area, but take us from kind of the end of the last season to as things have sort of devolved here uh, with, with learning the season's canceled and everything. How what, what have you been doing? You said lifting, hitting, like what, what's kind of been your routine that you've been trying to keep up to this point? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's weird because I was actually, I went down to West Palm Beach, uh, the spring training site. I was down there for a mini camp from uh, February 20th until about March 14th. And I mean, things were going well. It was normal. Like it's crazy now. Like you see everyone with masks and like we were down there, no masks, like everything still was normal, all good. And, uh, pretty much like it was like got Thursday and, uh, Friday, like the position players, everyone reported for spring training. So we had all the guys flying in, whatever, whatever. And, uh, we just got an email telling us, send us home. And uh, if you drove time to drive and if you flew, uh, we're setting up the flights. And, uh, that was the weird, I, I would say getting home, uh during that time period was probably the weirdest part because you didn't know like what to do how much to train how much to throw when are we going back uh i feel like we have a better idea like now you know we know that it's not in the foreseeable future you know after we got the news of the minor league season and all that stuff and uh but i mean during that time it was just kind of like trying to find a place to train trying to find uh people to throw with hit, hit with, you know, and like trying to make that adjustment and like, it was nice. I have a, I have a nice like homemade gym that I got to set up. My dad is a uh, sports medicine uh, guy. So he uh, works at a place that had a bunch of just weights, a bunch of uh, extra stuff. So I was able to bring some of that back home. Uh, so during like the uh, strict stay at home order stuff, that was, that was big. That saved me. Cause I know, Watching some guys are like, dude, I haven't lifted weight. I've been just doing band stuff. Like, so I'm extremely grateful for that. But then uh, finding the place to hit was a little more difficult. The first place I went to, the cages, uh, I went to twice. And then they were zip-tied shut uh, because, I guess, like coronavirus stuff. Uh, so, and then from there, I'm just like, all right, what are maybe some ball fields that have, you know, maybe been abandoned a little bit that still, you know, have kept up that I could just go hit and like be by myself or like just me and another person. Uh, luckily I was able to find just kind of a park out in the middle of nowhere that uh, nobody was at just hit there. And other than that, just, that was the weirdest part. Just trying to find those, like I've never had a moment where it's like, okay, can't train here. Can't train here. Like stuff's just closing down. So i and like you said, like talking about routine, just trying to find, you know, something similar. Like the other day I had a uh, 1 PM live, like live at bat type thing. So I was just trying to uh, like wake up, almost go about it the way I would for a 1 PM game, you know, wake up, have breakfast, uh, go and like stretch, get up there early, do like pretty much my uh, pre game routine type stuff. But 
just to kind of keep the, you know, keep that side of it. So when you, we do start back up, it's not, uh, what was my routine? What, what was this and that, you know? So. Yeah. That last point you were kind of touching on, is pretty interesting. I mean, when you're limited and you're, and you're missing out on, you know, valuable game reps that, that you're not going to get with, with the, the lost season. I mean, how, how high is that on your list of importance of being like, okay, well, there's things I can do with the mental aspect of the game and like trying to maintain that routine. Like, how much of, of that has been an emphasis with, with the lost time right now? That That's probably my biggest thing is like, I want to make sure that when things do start back up, if I step on a baseball field in my uniform, it's not going to feel like strange or like out of place. Like, I mean, this is the longest I, I, I was telling people, this is the first 4th of July that I've got to spend without baseball since I was maybe eight, something like, like, I mean, the biggest tournaments were always 4th of July. So I was telling my, some of my friends I was with, I'm like, this just doesn't even feel like this feels so weird. So just like trying to find that point or trying to find some ways to stay in it mentally and like make sure that you're ready when we do pick back up. That's That's been challenging, but you know, you got to get it done somehow. So yeah, one of the unique things that, that you've kind of done to, to kind of keep active, stay ready as much as you can, you, you got together uh, with a few local guys from your area, uh, including Cody Orr, another guy in the Astro system. Uh, what was that experience like? How did you guys kind of all connect and, and get together to, to train a little bit uh, somewhat last month? How it all worked out is there was a guy from Cleveland who I, th- I think he's with the Twins. He was trying to set something up and he got a hold of all of us. And we all like kind of the Northwest type guys were uh, talking and we're like, all right, so they want to play some games in like Acker and some games in Pittsburgh. And we're like, that's, you know, if we're going there weekly, that's a lot of driving. Like that's pretty far for us. So uh, we didn't know that there were that many Northwest guys in the area that we could get together. So like once we started like gathering all the names and we're like, oh, like we have more than what we realized. So we were able to just set stuff up at Toledo. So it's like 40 minutes from my hometown. And it was really cool meeting Cody, though, because he uh, went to Tiffin, which my little brother plays football there. I had actually, I think I had like met him. I was uh, in Tiffin this past offseason lifting with my brother just a random time. And he was in there and I think I, you know, met him, said hi to him. So it was super cool to see that he got picked by the Astros and now uh, getting to train with him and know him better. So, but it's been nice just to have guys to, you know, that's, that's another aspect of it that I think uh, a lot of people might overlook is, you know, a lot of the times we're, we're spending this whole time with the guys on the bus in the clubhouse, all the, you know, and that's time right now. A lot of those guys are, you know, by the, a lot of them, whether they have certain guys to be with, they're by themselves, you know, and uh, I know a lot of guys don't, they really enjoy that time in the clubhouse. So you know, trying to find certain guys that you get to kind of like have that same experience uh, and just, you know, going on the ball field and just playing and having fun. That's just, I don't think it gets any better than that. And uh, the fact that I still get to do that in some type of way has been extremely helpful. So I imagine it's got to be a little bit, you know, sandlot type of a game. I mean, you're just getting together with some guys, not quite going around the neighborhood and knocking on people's doors. I mean, you had to expand your circle a little bit to, to find some guys in your region, but I, I got, I, I want to know like what, what, like, is there a lot of trash talking? Like what's like the culture like of guys just finally getting together and, and having a little bit of, of some competition they're, they're used to having. That's uh, 
It's been fun. I, I, let me tell you, I, it's a lot of pitchers trying to, you know, cause kind of Zach Greinke, you know, hey, I'm throwing the fastball, like here it comes, but stuff like that. And, you know, you're trying to sit there, stay serious. You got the pitcher doing some stuff, but it's definitely Sandlot like, like that's what we started calling it was uh, the Sandlot games that we were setting up. And, uh, you know, we're still, you know, the field's a turf field, so it doesn't feel quite like the, the, the Sandlot type vibe, but it's definitely that type of pickup game. You know, everyone shows up. They definitely, they take it serious, but at the same time, we're just out there having fun. And, you know, it's almost like you're a little kid again, getting the guys like, hey, does this time work for you? Like, let's go to the field. You're from Finley, Ohio. Uh, you went to Van Buren High School. It has an enrollment of 350. So very much a small town. I don't know if you've seen the, the, the great basketball movie Hoosiers. I'm just imagining like the the tiny schoolhouse, like like that, whatever that school was in, in Hoosiers. But how, how much do you look back on on kind of uh, the growing up in a small town, like how that influenced the person you are today and like ultimately the ball player you are looking back uh, on that experience? I, you know, I think it's made me extremely grateful because, you know, growing, going to such a small school and then going, uh, and I, I mean, I loved my time at Toledo, but, you know, yeah, you, you compare Toledo to, you know, I play with some guys from uh, South Carolina or from Clemson, you know, facility wise, it's going to be a little different. So uh, I would say just like the support that I get from such a small community, it's crazy. Like, you know, I have a good game. I'm getting texts from almost like a ton of people that I haven't heard from maybe from since high school or just because the community is that so like tight knit there. And, uh, but it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I show up, I remember my first day when I was in Brooklyn, I showed up to uh, Coney Island and I got to see the field there. I remember I was like, Oh man, we have a weight room here, like at the field. I'm like that's, that's crazy. I was just like so excited. So I feel like every experience, it's just like, taking nothing for granted just just because coming from such a small small school and you know everything uh, you pretty much have to earn nothing really given to you there and uh so I mean I definitely definitely think that it's been a major part in the ball player that I became today just kind of chip on the shoulder type guy um you know going uh at Toledo and we don't have many guys drafted so just uh trying to grind there and you know just trying to make the dream come true and, you know, coming from some, so much a, or such a small city, nobody, you know, really expects it. You know, I hold a camp there at Van Buren every year and it's crazy to see the amount of kids on. Uh, it's just not sport. And I think like you only, I mean, you've got some uh, support at these big schools, but the small schools, it's just, I'll tell you, it's different. You went into pro ball, you got drafted by the Mets, like we said, in the 12th round. Uh, you were named MVP, the Brooklyn Cyclones that year, led the New York Penn League in triples. I'm sure you get asked about this, but like, how surprising is it to get traded? You you basically were on the field with the Mets for less than three months because you had that little abbreviated post draft season. You get traded. Like, how did you find out? And like, that has to be a weird feeling. Like, just getting your feet wet into pro ball. Obviously, having a great season. What was that initial shock like when you found out about the trade in, in January last year? It was crazy. I mean, I uh, I woke up on a Sunday morning. It was probably about nine in the morning I woke up and I had four missed calls from a New York number and I was like okay it's kind of weird you know we'll see so I uh showered and brushed my teeth thinking like I didn't have any voicemail so I'm like all right maybe not so urgent but then I got a call from the scout that signed me and he's like hey you need to call that number back and it's been like 10 minutes since I woke up maybe and I was like okay like what did I do 
I'm like, I did I mess something up or like, so I called, uh, it was the minor league uh, ops guy for the Mets called him. He was just like, Hey, uh, Astros had a guy we wanted. You were a part of the trade. Uh, nothing comes out till 1 PM, uh, blah, blah, blah. And it was a quick phone call. That was another surprising thing. It was like maybe a minute. And uh, he was like, someone on the Astros side will reach out. So uh, after that, I called my mom, told her, I'd like, hey, I think I just got traded to the Astros. Um, news doesn't come out until one, but I just got a call. And of course, what does my mom do? She's like, are you sure it wasn't a prank call? Are you sure? I'm like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a prank call. Well, I mean, it, it, was, it was crazy, though, for it to be that fast. Like you said, I mean, I just like just met all like the Mets coaches, the Mets, like front office, all these guys. And, uh, you know, to just within, it was like within, I think I was with, I played, like you said, like two and a half months. Um, I think total, I was with them, like counting the off season, six months, six or seven months. So uh, I'd never really heard of people being traded that quick. So it definitely was uh, a little shocking, but I mean, I, I love it. I love it with the Astros and, uh, I never even went through a spring training with the Mets. So people ask like how it is there. And I'm like, honestly, I can't really give you a fair, you know, a fair analysis because I never went to spring training. I never, I never really got my, uh, you know, dug my feet in with the Mets. So, uh, but it's, like I said, it's, it's been crazy and, you know, get adjusted quick. So. What kind of stuff have you found out about yourself? Uh, the Astros obviously like something about you with not that, uh, much of a, a track record, barely being in minor league in the minor leagues, they're pretty good at identifying talent. Wasn't a huge sample, but they liked what they saw. What have you learned, uh, maybe from them directly or indirectly, about what they liked about your game and and what plans you and the organization have for for taking that a step forward? Um, you know, I definitely think the amount of extra base hits I had was uh, helpful, along with uh, you know just hitting the ball hard. Uh, which I guess leads to extra base hits, but um, <laughs> it's, I would say that was probably, you know, that and then staying healthy. I know um, there, there was like some issue. I had hurt my knee in high school, stuff like that. So a lot of teams were pretty skeptical about me going into the draft, but the fact that I played, I, you know, I think I played, I started every game at Toledo for two years and then played the whole short season, no injuries, stuff like that. So, cause I know, before the draft, I, uh, the Astros actually had like put a medical thing on me, pretty much just saying that I was like a medical risk. But so I think once I proved myself in that aspect, that I could, you know, stay healthy, stuff like that. I think it uh, definitely put me more on the radar for them. But learning, uh, I'll tell you, the Astros, that it's, it's a ton of information, more information than I've ever had um, playing baseball. And it's, you know, it's crazy. I, I think I know. I probably know 30 times the amount about like just whether it's defense or offense or, you know, stealing bases. I've probably learned 30 times more since I've been with the Astros than my previous years of playing baseball. So, you know, they definitely take the developmental side of it super serious. And I, it shows with all the guys that come up and like, I mean, you see it this year, all the pitchers that are, you know, coming up and, I think everyone was a little surprised, didn't even know that the Astros, that's, that's the thing, you don't even know they have that many guys. That's definitely definitely an eye-opener for a lot of, you know, I think uh, a lot of teams are going that way, 
in the developmental side, but I think the Astros really like, I think they really showed everyone. Absolutely. They're, they're definitely on the forefront of, of a lot of the changes happening in the game. You too mentioned your, your knack for extra base hits. Uh, triples are really fun. You already have 18 of them <laughs> in your minor league baseball career. Uh, also crazily, I was just looking through some box scores. You have three, two triple games already. Are there any like crazy bounces or like wild ones that stand out? Like we're coming off the bat. You're like, man, this isn't going to be a single and it turns into three bases for you. Yeah. Um, I've had a, a couple of them where I didn't even know if they were going to be a hit that snuck through maybe the first base underneath the first baseman or uh, some ground balls, you know, on that side that, you know, they just bounce against the wall and just thinking three out of the box and, you know, you'll take it. It only helps the OPS more. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know why people are holding up at second if you can make it, you know. So you're always thinking three. Hey, might as well. Unless two, you know, can't get thrown out with two outs, you know, yep. don't want to don't want to make the coaches mad. But definitely thinking three out of the box. Absolutely. Uh, hey, last year for you, we, we mentioned you were the you were the Astros minor league pitcher of the month in June, shortly before you were called up to Fayetteville. Uh, kind of had a slow April, May, had a really good July pretty well, too, and, and kind of tapered off a bit in August. I mean, this is nothing. I mean, there's everybody has good and bad streaks. So this is all just a bunch of nothing. You can tell me. But like, did you feel like there were, were there any adjustments you were making that you felt like it took you a little bit to catch up when he had the slow start? And was there anything with fatigue, maybe your first full season kind of on the back end of that? Or was it just kind of a normal ebb and flow of the season that I'm that I'm seeing in the numbers? No, I, um, definitely, you know, I got here with the Astros. And uh, one, of the fir- one of the first things they like pretty much broke down to me was that we're not trying to make you a great low A baseball player right now. We're trying to build you so you can be a big leader, you know, whatever. And that, I mean, that's how they go about it with everyone. But um, so they, you know, I was trying to make adjustments uh, early on in that season that uh, I'd never made. And uh, that, that, you know, it was tough, but I definitely think those struggles as bad as they were um, and as frustrating as they were, uh, I think definitely overall they made me a much better ball player and like, you know, just dealing with those lows and uh, somehow, you know, trying to stay positive and uh, working through those and not, you know, mentally checking out. Uh, that's why June, you know, June was definitely a, that was a big confidence booster as uh, for, you know, to come after, yeah, come off of April, May, struggle, working on new stuff. That's when it kind of started clicking for me was, uh, was that part. And I would say when it comes to fatigue, uh, one thing, mental fatigue, you know, people say all the time, they're like, like last year in Fayette, we played 150 games, the most, you know, we can even play and uh, made it all the way to the last day, you know, all the way through Hurricane Dorian, whatever. And, uh, you know, so you make it 150 games, you're trying to be locked in pitch to pitch, whether you're on offense or defense. And that's like, I tell people all the time, I'm like trying to keep that focus for however many games you're playing that's the toughest part of it. Like, yeah, you know, you get sore, you get achy, whatever. But like, I think the biggest part is just, you know, not throwing away ABs and um, not giving up at bats, whatever, like not even giving up a pitch, just stuff like that on defense, like making sure you're ready every play. But um, that was like probably the biggest takeaway I had from the season was just uh, trying to find maybe 
better ways to unwind mentally, you know, cause that's, you know, they say leave, you know, leave the baseball at the field. And then they, we always talk about in our mental skills that the big leaders have different ways where they can, you know, get away from it, whether it's, you know, even just as simple as reading a book or like whether you like to, you know, make music or just different, just finding certain hobbies to get away from it because that those 150 games or whatever you play, that they are so mentally grueling that it can just take such a toll and just get, get in the way of your focus. So I would say that that was probably my biggest takeaway from the season was just making sure that mentally I'm in a good spot and, you know, not putting too much pressure. I mean, that's the thing too. You get 400 ABs. That's, you know, you get out one time, I think you're going to be okay. So just yeah. not putting too much pressure on yourself for sure. When you're watching like major league baseball games this year where guys get off to, you know, like a one for 27 or like a big offer, how do you think about like, what what's your perspective on like how those guys are feeling or it's like, Oh, they actually don't have that many plate appearances to like get out of that like tough rut. Like they would in a normal season. See, that that's a crazy thing though, is because this is new. This is new to them even. So it, it's super interesting to see like even Yelich, you know, you watch him struggle at the beginning just to watch certain guys, the way they do handle themselves after these slow starts during this time. And I think, I think it shows why they're big leaguers. Cause I, you see a lot of those like stars that have started slow have really like picked it up and you've seen them kind of the way they've kind of chipped away at it. It all just didn't, you know, happen all at once, but you know, and that's, that's something I, I feel like that's a big part of baseball that you got to pay attention to is like, especially in a year like this is watching like, you're going to have times where, you know, some unprecedented stuff's going to happen and, you know, you have no control. Like they have no control that there's 60 games this year. I mean, and you, you have a slow start. Normally, like you said, you get to, you have so many more at bats to pick yourself up, but this year it's a little different. So definitely watching. That's, that's another pro bowl is I'm just watching baseball in a completely different way. Just watching even like, whether it's like, how they're breathing before like their routine before going up and just stuff maybe some mental cues that click for them so yeah a lot of the stuff you said about the mental side has been really interesting you're you were talking about finding things to unwind uh and get kind of back to that to that middle ground uh mentally to, to keep yourself ready for the next game uh one thing i wanted to ask you about what are your preparations for a road trip what are some key th- objects that a new minor league baseball player is going to enter pro ball next year needs to know like do you different food or snacks you're bringing with media choices some kind of like travel pillow that's like your go-to what are like ross's road trip tips that's what that's exactly exactly what i was about to say is the biggest one is you gotta bring you gotta have a pillow because i made that mistake so many times and good luck truly falling asleep on a bus without a pillow uh, because, you know, more times than not, you're going to have a bus partner, you know, you're going to have a seat guy right next to you. And, uh, unless you want to be sleeping on his shoulder, which I mean, I guess you could put the pillow up against that. That might be nice, but, um, I'll definitely bring a pillow or else you're not going to be sleeping. Cause I mean, you put it, you try to use those headrests, the bus is shaking around, you're not sleeping at all. And obviously I think, you know, you got to have the go-to, Netflix, you got to have Hulu, you got, I mean, I think I've watched almost everything on Netflix because of those bus rides. And then you see the people that are really dedicated are the ones that bring their PS4s and have, uh, 
they have a like a almost like a it looks like a suitcase opens up has a little tv so if you're a hardcore gamer now i've definitely played i've an uptick in ps4 time during quarantine i will say that but i'm not enough of a gamer that i bring my ps4 on there normally movies are good or just you know some shows uh but that's a good that's a recommendation to any minor leaguer i will say that loves to game is that i've seen and i i think that takes away chunks of time on the bus for people so innings, i think that would be huge <laughs> innings <laughs> six through nine through me on getaway day are just solely devoted to pre-downloading the shows yeah to have yep. them ready because the bus wi-fi is not going to cut it nope no nope. <laughs> so that no nope. that's my like thrown in piece of advice to just go on top of yours i have uh, yet to be on a bus <laughs> where the wi-fi works i mean i it's it's incredible but all right, last few things I got for you. Uh, I mean, you, you clearly you've been you've been keeping up with the major league season and what you've said about the guys that you like to watch for like how they're breathing, walking up to the plate, everything. Who who are some guys that you love watching in the big leagues right now? Maybe give me an Astros guy and somebody outside the org or or a few that are just guys you love to watch. Yeah, I love watching Brantley hit. That's so smooth. I mean, also being from Ohio, I watch him in Cleveland a lot. So uh, and then being able to go down in uh, the mini camp and kind of watch the way he even hits BP or just carries himself. That was, that was awesome. But I mean, since I was younger, I love to watch him Bryce Harper too. I just kind of like the emotion that he plays with and his swing is just violent. And when he, you know, just, just different when he hits the ball. And obviously, I mean, I could say Mike Trout, everyone likes watching Mike Trout. I mean, if you don't like watching Mike Trout, you just don't like baseball. So <laughs> I mean, he's just – everything he does is amazing. And then, obviously, the Padres this year, you know, watching them, I mean, they just swept the Astros. That was tough to watch. I mean, even just watching them is right now, like the way they're mashing the ball is – as a hitter, it's hard. As much as it sucked to watch it against the Astros, it's also like you have to appreciate the way they're playing ball right now. Like that's – it's so much Tatis and, you know, their whole lineup's just mashing. Absolutely. That, that's a pretty good list right now of things to keep tabs on. Uh, you, you retweeted the the highly popular uh, Jason Kanzler diving catch from the Astros alternate site from a couple weeks ago. He was our guest on the podcast in last week's episode. This is just my open forum to you to gush. What, break down that play for us and, and what were your first reactions when you saw that on, on SportsCenter? I saw the tweet. And all I saw was Jason Kanzler, and I knew it was going to be that he made some sick play. I already knew. Didn't even have to watch it. And that's why exactly I tweeted at him, and I said, this does not surprise me at all. I'll tell you, I have done – I've thrown with Kans. I've worked with Kanzler a ton, and he is the best defensive player, I think, honestly, right now, maybe in the, in the Astros organization. Like, he's got a couple of gold gloves in college yeah, to back it yeah. up. He's still a big, strong dude who can run, and I think he can play defense in the in the bigs right right now. But which no, I mean maybe maybe that's I shouldn't say that because it's probably you know he's probably just going to eat it up. But uh, no, it's it didn't surprise me at all. And no, honestly, it, it gave me a good laugh just because I can only imagine I would love to have been there to see like him running back in after making that play. That was. It was it was super cool to see, and especially to get on Sports Center on top ten plays. That's just unbelievable. 
All right, last thing I got for you, Ross, before I let you go. Uh, last season, finishing up the second half at, at Segura Stadium, what are going to be kind of some of your biggest memories or things that you remember about Fayetteville from last season? Well, I mean, Fayetteville, I, I just – I loved the atmosphere of the – fan. I mean, brand-new stadium. Everything is super nice. The fans and all that's I mean, that's that aspect you got to love about it. But, I mean, it's going to be hard – that, that – playoff run and like that kind of end of the year what we ran into and then just going in there and obviously it wasn't the ending that we wanted but you know in the middle of the hurricane dorian uh you have you know david hensley hitting any every single clutch situation possible you have david hensley coming through and you know you have our pitchers shoving like usual and so i would say most memorable though Oh man, there were a lot. There were some funny times, but I would, I would probably say, I'll say Hensley's Hensley hit a walk off, and um, you know he was feeling pretty good, feeling pretty good about himself, and he yeah, so he had been playing well, and he had a situation. I don't know. I think minor league baseball may have tweeted it. I wonder if he saw it, but uh, he was at third, and uh, there was a play somehow the pitcher ended up with the ball and he was off to the side. I think maybe he was backing up home and Hensley took off from third base and, you know, tried to outrun everyone and was, I mean, he ended up being out by a mile. And while this wasn't necessarily a positive thing, it was the funniest moment. Like it was literally that moment where everyone's like, what is he doing? Like we just see him take off. And it's just, I feel like just little funny moments, even though it's like a coaching moment where you got to tell them like, Hey, you can't do that. But like those little moments of like, it just loosens everyone up and it kind of just, you know, lets everyone know, like we're still having fun. I mean, it was a play. He was trying to play hard. Now was it the smartest move? Maybe not. But I just remember the whole team just dying laughing. Just such like a good, just a good experience for everyone. And like, Hensley's reaction just that I think you you have Hensley on the podcast yeah we've had him on friend of the pod oh yeah that kid man (laughs) and it's it's easier to make fun of a guy when he's like you said hitting really well at the time you can give him a little bit of a hard time because a lot of stuff's going right for him yeah exactly nobody nobody feels nobody's gonna be like hey man like good he's already doing so well you know he's on cloud nine right now so we can bring him down a little bit right All right, again, we want to thank our guest, outfielder in the Houston Astros organization, Ross Adolph. Ross, this was fun. Thanks for being here. Thanks again to our guest, Ross Adolph, Astros minor league outfielder for jumping on the podcast with us this week. We get to our usual weekly rigmarole. Uh, First, with the Woodpeckers rewind moment of the season from 2019. Uh, It was headed down to the stretch run of the season uh, in that memorable inaugural year for the Woodpeckers. Our Rewind moments of the year from 2019. It comes from August the 25th of last season. We're in the midst of a second half title chase. The Woodpeckers stormed back from 7-3 down, headed to the bottom of the eighth inning for a statement win in their Carolina League Southern Division playoff chase. After the Fayetteville staff yielded seven runs in the seventh inning to dig a deep hole, Nate Shaver's potent lineup clawed their way back in the game by scoring six in the home half of the eighth inning 
capped by Chandler Taylor's go-ahead two-RBI double in front of the raucous Segris Stadium crowd. A resounding victory for the playoff hopeful Woodpeckers, who, of course, would clinch that second-half spot and go all the way to the full five games of the Mills Cup Championship Series in their inaugural season, our Woodpeckers Rewind Moment of the Year from August 25th of 2019, the big come-from-behind win by the Woodpeckers in the second half. Then we'll move on to our out-of-the-park baseball 21 virtual season update. Uh, I ran the simulation through action on Sunday, the 30th of August. So I did an extra day than I normally do. The Woodpeckers going four and three in that eight-day stretch. They're now 69 and 63 on the season. More importantly, 32 and 30 in the second half. That'll just about put them out of the playoff chase. They're five games back of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, who have just been too red hot. The Cubs affiliates uh, looking to cruise their way into the second half title. Uh, Woodpeckers lost a piece of their lineup this week. Miguel Angel Sierra in the sim season fractured his ankle. He's going to be out for four months. And of course, the remainder of the season at this point, uh, which wraps up on Labor Day. Uh, we mentioned the red hot week that Corey Lee, the Astros first round pick and Woodpeckers catcher in our virtual season sim. Uh, he had a tremendous week going 10 for 19 with two homers. That was a week ago. Uh, he did garner the Carolina League Player of the Week award. Uh, that was announced on Monday in our virtual season. A win on Sunday at Winston-Salem in which Jake Myers broke up a 2-2 tie in the fifth inning with a two-run single. That had the Woodpeckers win four in a row. Chad Donato was excellent. Six innings, two runs, and ten strikeouts to pick up his third win of the season. He's allowed just four earned runs in his last 16 innings, spanning three starts. And then it was the Woodpeckers' playing the comeback kids pretty much the rest of the week. They won four in a row after that Sunday win. After Monday off on Tuesday, Fayetteville found themselves down 5-2, headed to the bottom of the ninth versus Carolina at Segra Stadium. They would win 6-5 in walk-off fashion. Josh Anthony, who... In the sim season, the Astros picked up as a minor league free agent out of the indie ball ranks. He comes through with a walk-off single on Tuesday in that 6-5 win for the Woodpeckers. On Wednesday, Fayetteville found themselves down three, or rather, they scored three in the bottom of the eighth inning to come from behind and win. It was a Josh Anthony home run that put the Woodpeckers in front in another come-from-behind win. Thursday against Carolina, going for the sweep. Uh, the Woodpeckers scored three in the bottom of the seventh to tie it, but would lose seven to six in ten innings. Uh, to put the winning streak of six to a stop. Friday, the Woodpeckers kept doing more of the same. Tied 2-2, headed to the sixth on the road, and Frederick Gray Kessinger would come through with a two-out RBI single in a narrow one-run victory for the Woodpeckers. Kessinger has been struggling a bit in the sim season, sent down to short season Tri-City a couple of times. He's hitting 204 in his time with the Woodpeckers, but a big hit as he came through on Friday night. Then the Woodpeckers were shut out one to nothing on Saturday on the road by the Fred Nats. They managed just four hits to the Woodpeckers. They would lose again on Sunday, and they find themselves just about out of the playoff race at 32-31. and 31. But 
uh, a good stretch of baseball for the Woodpeckers heading down to the final week of the season. That's our OOTP 21 update. Uh, we're probably going to have just one more unless the Woodpeckers can put together some magic and clinch a second-half playoff chase, but it's been fun keeping tabs on what would have been with our out-of-the-park baseball simulation of the Woodpeckers 2020 season. That'll just about do it for us here in episode 16 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast. We can tell you that one of our guests next week uh, will be the Director of Field Operations, head groundskeeper for the Woodpeckers, Alpha Jones. Looking forward to that conversation with Alpha. Give you some insight on the profession. Uh, what just really goes into all the management of that beautiful playing surface that our fans uh, experienced last year taking in the games at Segra Stadium. Uh, so really good stuff. We're looking forward to it from Alpha for next week's episode. Uh, got a couple of lines out on a player guest for next week, but still to be determined for next week's episode of the podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is Matt Dean, broadcaster for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, signing out on episode number 16 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast.